It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. There was real, well, sort of real, baseball to watch. How does it feel? Welcome to the first Rico Bronia. I'm going to say that a lot. The first Rico Bronia to do this, the first Rico Bronia to do that. This is the first Rico Bronia to break down or at least talk about some spring training New York Mets baseball. The Mets win two games uh, between Saturday and Sunday. They lose a split squad game to the defending world champion Houston Astros. We get a little bit of a feel for the pitch clock, a little bit of a feel for the no shift, a little bit of a feel for the bigger bases. It was a weird weekend of baseball. And we'll get to the pitch clock because I'm going to give uh, Pete Hoffman an opportunity. He's got an opportunity here. I happen to listen to a little bit of Pete's WFN radio show, and he's going to have an option. Now, we'll discuss this later, but I want the option out there right now for you to think about, and then we'll address it a little bit later on in the podcast. Either you were just being a shock jock on WFN today. Either you were pulling a Craig Carton, simply just saying, I hate the pitch clock for effect, to get angry phone calls, to have a strong opinion. Some may call it a hot take. That's option number one. You're just effing around. Option number two is I'm going to verbally kick your ass later in the podcast. Those are your two options, Pete. Uh, Right now, what's your answer? And then we'll do it in about 15 or 20 minutes. Go ahead. I'm looking forward for you to verbally kicking my ass. Let's go for the debate. Wow, a human being, a sane human being, a non-idiotic person, well, we'll find out about that, who hates the pitch clock. Well, we'll get to that a little bit later on, because obviously, I think that's going to be the one of the big topics all around baseball, not just on Rico Bronia, uh, coming out of the first weekend of spring training, and that is some of these big, big changes, and the pitch clock is obviously the headline. So we'll address that a little bit later on in the Rico. As far as the baseball we saw this weekend, uh, Max Scherzer is healthy. So that's the biggest takeaway you take from Sunday's game. I did like, you know, and I know this is related to the pitch clock, but it's related to Scherzer. How Max showed you right out of the gate and then spoke about it after the game, how he's going to use the clock to his advantage and how much he likes it. And you got a hint of this real early on, even though it backfired and turned into a little uh, ground ball base hit. But obviously, one of the rules we're seeing is that the batter needs to be in the box, ready to go at the eight-second mark. The batter also has one opportunity in an at-bat to call a timeout. If that batter uses a timeout early in their at-bat, Max Scherzer's going to F with you. He's made that very, very clear. He is going at the eight-second mark to stare you down as you wait, thinking that pitch can come at any moment. And he's going to milk that some bitch all the way down to one before he throws the baseball. So for those that feel we lost something with the pitch clock in terms of the, the cat and mouse game between pitcher and hitter, Max Scherzer says, don't worry. I got you. I'm going to count mouse crap the daylights out of hitters. So I thought that was kind of cool. But, but truthfully, when Scherzer pitches, when Verlander pitches, when Carrasco pitches, Quintana, Diaz, guys like that. It's just about being healthy. The performance doesn't even matter either. You know, Max Scherzer can go out and give up five runs. He didn't, obviously. He only gave up a single run in his two innings. 
it's getting your work in and it's coming out of these things healthy. So when you look at the established guys, that's all I'm thinking about in spring training. You know, I thought it was kind of cool with Alonzo. I'll give him this. Pete had a big day on Saturday night as the Mets took on the Marlins. And just to give you full transparency on what I saw and what I didn't see. So the MLB app has no blackouts during spring training. So I was able to watch a little bit of that first game, the Mets-Astros game, the split squad game. And the way I did that was our show on Saturday ended at 1 o'clock, and I put it on my phone as I was driving. Let me make something clear here. I was not watching it, okay? Pete's shaking his head. You think I'm like a terrible person now? No, 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 no. I'm happy that you listened to whatever video you were watching in the back. I listened (laughs) to the video, okay? And then at red lights... I happen to glance, but it was the Astros broadcast. So we weren't really getting a Met feel, but Mets are playing the Astros. You could at least hear about the game, kind of hear what's going on. And so I watched, I would say about three innings of that. Then I went to a gender reveal party, not my own. Okay. We're good with two boys, but Hey, people have gender reveal parties. I was invited. Don't kill the messenger here. Okay. I just went. So for anyone who's got a big issue with gender reveals, I didn't plan it. I just went. And after that, sat down, watched a few more innings of that game. But I didn't watch all night. I'd say I watched about five or six of the Astro game. And then Saturday night, a little bit later on DVR, I may have scored the Saturday night game between the Mets and the Marlins. I may have. May have happened. And then on Sunday, uh, I watched Trey Young hit a buzzer beater against my Brooklyn Nets. I did see that. But I watched uh, all nine innings of the game on Sunday in which I did not score, but my oldest son, Jet, did, which is a first. A first where I did not score, and he did, and he insisted on it. He's like, I want to watch the Mets. Can I score the game? Can I score all three games? I said, well, we've already missed Saturday because he was with his grandparents, so let's not go back and score that, but we can watch Sunday's game. And he wanted to score it, so um, he was into it. We didn't make the changes, by the way. I just want to make that clear. Like, he was not, as a six-year-old, filling in all the changes, which I know is one of the most difficult things about spring training. It was more just he wants to ride in the 6-3, the 4-3, the nines, the singles, and whatnot. And he did that for nine innings. I gave him a lot of credit. What would what would you grade him in a in a for a six-year-old? What would you grade Jet? Oh, my God. For a six-year-old, he's getting like a 99 out of 100. The fact he even <laughs> wants to sit down and do it. And it's funny, I was explaining to Jet the pitch clock, and I said, listen, you got to be ready. It's going to be a lot of a lot of action. And early on, hasn't scored a game since last September, he looks at me and says, I don't like the pitch clock, Dad. It's too quick. <laughs> Smart man. Smart kid. I love him. Too quick. Like, what the hell are you talking about? But So the <laughs> point is, I, I saw of the 27 innings they played, I'd say I saw like 22 of them. 22 of the 27. So I did see a lot of baseball this weekend. A couple of things from that Astro game, which I'm sure a lot of people didn't see. Um, Brett Beatty hits just a bomb the center field in the first inning. And that was the good of Brett Beatty. And Brett Beatty's bat has looked very strong first few days of spring training. The bad of Brett Beatty is in that same game. I think it was in the third inning. He tries to make like a routine play. And he absolutely misses it. So we saw the bad defense from Beatty, which I know you had an issue with during the regular season last year. And then he actually made a decent play in the fourth inning, made a nice backhand play, made a low throw to first, but it got scooped out. So his defense 
in the Astro game on Saturday was shaky. And, you know, that's the part of his game that he's got to improve, that he's got to clean up. And we mentioned this on the last week, or that Billy Epler talked about the importance of defense, the value of defense. Beatty can hit. You know, I think even in the limited time he was up at the major league level last year, I know the numbers weren't overwhelming, but you could see he can hit. The question is, can he defend at the major league level? And I think the other thing that's going to hurt him, and this is furthering a discussion we had last week, is if Beatty hits, and he hits, and he hits, and he hits, and he makes it that the Mets have to bring him north, I still wonder what his role will be. And I bring this up because, and I was having this discussion on a DM with a fellow Met fan yesterday who said, I disagree with you, Evan. I think Beatty can make the team. Because I mentioned last time on the Rico that I think he's got an uphill battle. You were certainly more bullish on Beatty making the team. The problem I'm seeing is if he makes the team, what are the Mets putting out there against left-handed pitching? You know, because I've heard and I've even said it, hey, Escobar could be the right-handed batch in a D- right-handed bat in a DH platoon with Daniel Vogelback. And that's true, and that's great. But then who's playing third base? Are the Mets not only going to trust Brett Beatty to play defense at the major league level and be the most of the time third baseman, are they going to trust him against left-handed pitching? And I'm not sure they're going to do that right out of the gate. And that's where I think his problem's going to be. You know, who is the right-handed bat against a left-handed pitcher? It goes back to something I said a few days ago, Tommy Pham had Escobar plays third base. So if that's what you want to sell me on, I guess, but then you lose your outfield depth. They don't have a lot of outfield depth. That leads me to my boy, my boy, Timothy Arthur Matthewson Locastro, who I'm a big fan of because he does two things that can help a baseball team. Number one, he's great defensively. We saw that with his diving catch he made on Sunday. I'm going to get these games confused. I apologize. But he made a diving catch, I think, the Sunday afternoon game against the Nationals in left field. And also in that game against the Astros, he gets on base. I think it was on a fielder's choice. First pitch, he ain't effing around. Bigger bases like pizza boxes. LeCastro swipes that crap. So this is a guy who can steal bases, a guy who plays great defense. He's not much of a hitter. Yankee fans will tell you that. I know. I think he had a game-winning hit against the Mets, though, years ago. I think he had a walk-off when he was with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Not that that means anything. Everybody's had a walk-off against the Mets at some point. Everybody's walked us off. But... I'm rooting for him to make the team. It's it's going to be tough. Uh, it, it probably makes the most sense if they're not going to carry 13 pitchers for LeCastro to make the team. But he brings a dynamic that I like. Defense and speed. And let's get to that speed thing. Three days into spring training, stolen bases are up. Now, I, I want to be careful, and we all should be careful, with judging everything we've seen with these new rules in just a couple days. It doesn't mean everything. But obviously, if you sit there and you watch baseball for the last couple of days, there are a couple of things that are going to jump out at you. And let's put the pitch clock aside. Number one, guys are running more. We saw that in the Mets-Astros game. We not only saw that from Tim LaCastro, we saw it from the Astros. So I think there's a combination of reasons for that. Number one, yeah, I think the bigger bases matter. There's just a slightly smaller distance in terms of getting to second base. And then you know that it's less likely a pitcher is going to try to pick you off. Doesn't mean he can't. He obviously has got a few opportunities before that third pickoff attempt that could result in a balk. But you know right off the top, it's just less likely. Now, 
guy picks you off or at least tries to pick you off the first time, now it's even less likelier that they're going to try to do it again. God forbid they do it again. And I think I saw this in the Nationals game where it was Scherzer, actually, who had two pickoff attempts in a row or two in the same at-bat. And I'm thinking, this guy's taking off, right? This guy's going to take off. He knows Scherzer can't throw over a third time. And the guy didn't run. So it's not always going to be an automatic that guys are going to run. But you've seen it through two days, and I think this trend is going to continue. The stolen base is back. The stolen base is a weapon. And if you're the Mets or any other team in baseball, but this is Rico Bronia, you can't be left behind here. And so I want guys on my roster who could take advantage of this. And late in the game, Tim LaCastro pinch runs for whomever. He's got a chance to automatically take second base, which improves improves your chances of scoring a run. The shift, too. Boy, here's the thing I noticed about the shift. And again, Small sample size. We're overreacting to a couple of spring training games. But Daniel Vogelback had a couple of ground balls this weekend that are gobbled up, eaten up, and he's thrown out by a mile and a half. But without someone sitting in short right center field, that's going right through. Vogelback had two hits. Again, I think it was Saturday night. I'm getting all these days confused because I know he played Sunday as well. But Vogelback had two hits. That just beat the shift. Francisco Lindor had a single that beat the shift. So there's no doubt, and I'm not even opining about my opinion on the shift rule because that's it's irrelevant. I'm reacting to what we're seeing right now. There are going to be left-hand hitters who are just going to get more base hits. It's just, it's, it's going to happen. And Vogelback said something fascinating on Saturday night because it was Saturday night. He said, I'm not changing my approach. I never changed my approach. And he speaks for a lot of guys, as much as it may have frustrated me or you or anybody else. Hey, come on, they're shifting you. Lay down a bunt. Hey, go the other way. As much as me, we may want players to do that. And there are some that do it, like Jeff McNeil. Most guys were never going to change their approach. So for a guy like Vogelback, he ain't changing a damn thing, but baseball around him changed. So he's naturally going to accidentally get a few extra base hits just from it. And we've already seen it two days in a spring training. 